The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, greetings and salutation, fellow Moon Knights. Welcome to the Moon Knight After Show, our open spoiler discussion about Moon Knight Episode 2, Summon the Suit. This show has been amazing. I am your host, John Campion. It is an awesome honor and privilege that you guys have decided to join us here today as we talk about Moon Knight Episode 2. And I thought today would be fun to be joined by Robert Meyer Burnett as we talk about Moon Knight, since he is the uh, Knights Templar of the Moon Knight Society. (laughs) Rob, how you doing? It's great to be here. I mean, obviously, this is a character that's been near and dear to my heart. I don't even want to say how long, but it's been like four decades for real. And uh, it's amazing to see the character brought to life in this fashion. And, you know, as uh, just so you guys know, the way we're going to do this is that Rob and I are going to spend the first few minutes just talking about Moon Knight Episode 2 and all of its spoilery goodness. And then we're going to take the second half and just throw it over to you guys and hear what you have to say. Now, just so you know, the Super Chats completely filled up before we even started the show. So the Super Chats are unfortunately closed. But if you had sent one in earlier, we'll get around to reading those, at least the ones that are uh, appropriate to be used on the show. And that's what we're going to do. So let's not waste any time and get right into it here, Rob. This was, I, I mentioned on the John Campbell show earlier today that I didn't expect episode two to be as good as episode one. Like I loved episode one. And I'm just, I, and, and then I'm just like, okay, it doesn't have to be as good. Just be still solid. And we'll be off to a great start. Personally, as much as I loved episode one, I thought episode two was even better. The highlights for me, the conversations, the philosophical conversations between both Stephen and Mark, between Stephen and Handsome Hawk. I keep forgetting what is the name of the character is. Yeah, me too. I, I, I want to keep I'll, calling him the Sun King, but I don't think he is the Sun King. Don't think whatever. he's the Sun King. So there's that. Uh, that was a huge highlight. The fight with the Jackal, finding out that no one else can see the Jackal, I think, other than its intended target. But he's there. He's but affecting he is the physical there. world. And then, you know, Layla was able to get the dust on him, and then he became visible to people around. And you can right. see the, the, the impact and the results of what he does. But, man, I, I think maybe the best part was that conversation between Stephen and, and Ethan Hawke, just the philosophical dis- discussion. I mean, you and Chris were joking around this morning that I would join that cult. Well, it looked awesome to uh, me. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of would, too. I mean, look, it's a spiritual minority report. You know, let's go after the sinners that haven't yet sinned. But there's a good question there, John. I mean, I think that that's what makes genre fiction, whether it's science fiction, fantasy and horror, so fun to delve into, because you can ask these these very, you know, moral or ethical questions, but they're not it it doesn't it doesn't impinge on anyone's belief systems. You can play thought games. And he says, look, man, you know, we can make the world a much better place if we can get rid of all the people that will sin. And of course, Stephen, Stephen says, what, you're going to judge kids? They haven't done anything. Well, not yet. And, and if you knew that a, a, an eight-year-old kid was going to grow up and be Hitler and you could eliminate them when they were eight, would that be something you would do or not? 
And I think that it's a fascinating thought experiment. And dude, Ethan Hawke, he convinced me. I'm like, you know what? Like you said, I think John, I would join his cult. He'll make the world a better place. I only wish you could see the world as it will be when we finish. It was just fun the way they're like, hey, yeah, we've got a buffet over here. Got movie night. Uh, we all learned three different languages. He made lentil soup. It's fantastic. I, used, I made it, but I used his recipe. And he's like, hey, thank you. He waited. Everyone's like, hey, great. Walk around with glass in our sandals. I mean, they, they made it look very, very appealing. I think the way Chris put earlier, I'll join that cult full of hot people. I mean, yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> From but, around the world. But it does. It brings down that philosophical question. Because on the one hand, you think, yeah, okay stop the evildoers before they commit their evil but then what's the line how much how much evil deserves a death sentence but on top of that it gets into the whole question of fate who's to say amit is right who's to say that that vagrant in the streets who the scales tipped badly for was actually going to do that they they, as an individual never had the opportunity to make that choice and I love, you're right, that conversation Stephen has. It's like, so as I include children, I mean, I, I can't do the, the accent. Right, but, but still. I mean, isn't that kind of crossing the line, killing children? I mean, it's like, it seems play. And it just get Arthur is his name. It just started getting Arthur more and more pissed off. You can see the the, the dour look on his face but expanding. Even the way they shot him, how they got closer in on his face. And I like I said earlier on the, on the John Campy show, I love his craggly, how craggly, like Ethan Hawke is aging into like the ultimate villain. I could see him in his latter years being the Emperor Palpatine in a new iteration. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> if he could be turned. I mean, it. Uh, and the thing is, John. Like we've always talked about on the show, great villains think they're correct. Yes, they, they think, think they're, they're right. the heroes. They're the heroes of their story. And this is a very compelling, interesting argument. But at the same time, you know, Ahmed, I love when Steven says, yeah, yeah, she's a woman with a, a crocodile face or an alligator face, which she has. I mean, she's got, a, you know. Right. And uh, they're making, by the way, a six scale action figure of that, not Hot Toys. But uh, I, I, I just think that that whole conundrum. And of course, Conchu is a dick. Like Kanchu, who's fighting this from happening, you know, you've got these warring entities and Kanchu's methodology is it's kind of a dick. Well, no, I mean, and that's the cool thing about it is that just because somebody's on the right side doesn't there mean doesn't mean they're a good guy. No, Kanchu is clearly a dick. But I mean, his philosophy is right. I bring justice to those who deserve it. Like we're like he's trying to stop this whole idea of murdering people before they've done anything wrong, right? And all that kind of stuff. Yet he straight up threatens Stephen. It's like, look, we had a deal. I mean, okay, fine, but you don't like who I'm going to go to next, so you either stay my avatar or I go after your wife. I mean, I mean, so he, you can be on the good guy side and still be a complete dick. And and let's assume, let's take at face value, which I don't think we're getting any of this at face value but if ethan hawk's character was in fact the former fist of vengeance the second ongoing moon knight series was called was called uh fist of conchu moon knight fist of conchu and uh you know ethan hawk used to be conchu's avatar in the world you know when he like went to the other side he was coerced or seduced seduced by the dark side um and I, I, I just, I love all of that. And I also have loved the way Oscar Isaac is playing the Stephen character's sense of discovery. 
And and one of my <coughs> one of my favorite things that happened in this episode was when Stephen, you've got Mark Spector and the waiting in the wings trying to convince Stephen to let him take control, and Stephen's like, no, you know, and and he conjures up the Mister Knight persona in the suit inadvertently, inadvertently, and I I loved that, like that's his vision of of what. You know, presumably Khonshu did imbue him with some kind of power, so he was able to manifest not Ace or not the suit, but a suit. <laughs> you know, what Natalie was really dressed. cool about that was that in I, I love the way I can't remember the two who directed this episode. Uh, uh, Benson and Moorhead. What they did instead of going having him stand, go, "Wow, I feel stronger. I feel like I could do whatever." No, what they did was they used a quick visual image of him getting up and you realize he had grabbed the bumper of a car, but he had crushed the bumper of the car with his hand. And in that one quick shot, you know, what's the old adage about good storytelling show? Don't tell right with that one quick shot. They replaced what could have been a minute and a half long soliloquy about, <laughs> right. I, I feel like I can do things I've never done before. Wait, let me test my limits and pick. No, just that one quick shot. It was beautiful. It, and it kept the action going by, by refusing to put on the brakes, they kept the action going so we could stay immersed in what was going on in the scene, and they were still telling story as the action was unfolding, and that was incredibly important. I want to go to one of my other favorite moments of the the, the episode. Was, and I kind of alluded to this in the show this morning without going into details, but we're, when they're in Mark's secret storage container, and Stephen is now putting things together, and he realizes, I mean, I, I love that he's not just a jellyfish. No. He has strength of conviction, right? And they show that when he says to Mark, I am never letting you out again. I am taking all this stuff here and I am going to the police and hopefully they will pill me up and put me in a prison where you can't hurt anybody anymore. So he's not just, I mean, obviously he is meek. Stephen is meek, but he is not weak. By him saying that and standing up to Mark and saying, I am willing to get myself incarcerated, locked up, lose my freedom to make sure my body does not hurt or harm people. And I thought that was an incredibly important narrative moment yeah. for Stephen as we move forward. Because otherwise, when we get to that point where he inadvertently turns into Mr. Knight, if we had in a, like just got to that point without that, then what we'd, we would essentially, in our minds, we'd be looking at a school child who suddenly found a gun. That, that's kind of what it would be. We found this, this incompetent, weak-willed, whatever, who suddenly has a lot of power. But instead, because they had that scene, we saw that Stephen's persona is a persona with strength of conviction and who's got, you know, who has got strength of character as well. And that's the person we see inhabiting this body and immediately wants to use it to protect the people around him. He's trying to fight the jackal. I loved that. I, I did too. Although I do think I have to say, John, for the record, I think everything that we're watching now is not real. Like his wife's dead. You know, we're seeing things that his mind is conjuring up. Every every Everything we've seen with the jackal not really being real and all that, I think all of this is in his mind. Like he's in a in another realm that he's created for himself, and all of this stuff, everything that we've seen in the show, isn't real. See, you've mentioned that before, and I was on board with you before. I'm not anymore, and you may still be right. You may still absolutely be right. Here's the reason I'm not on board with it anymore: is that having gone through now one third of the show, 
Wrap your heads around that, guys. We're a third of the way through the show already. Thank you. Like, why Why is this thing just six episodes? Anyway, we're a third of the way through the show. I feel like now that's not on the table anymore. And there's two reasons why. We are a third of the way through the show. Number one, we kind of did this already with WandaVision. We did the whole thing with... Um, this isn't really real, that this is all a facade we're living in and all that kind of stuff. So they kind of already did that with WandaVision. Secondly, now that we're like a full third of the way through the show, what I really think will happen and what I think Disney knows would happen, if it's a Dallas, oh my God, that was just all a dream thing. I think it would piss some people off. I think it would piss a lot of the audience off at this point I think if we got through one episode and then we find out right away, oh, there was there was misdirect, that was an illusion. But now that we're a full third of the way through the show and they've gone into some of the detail that they've gone into, I think there still might be, I still think there are going to be things that aren't as they seem. But this notion that I was totally on board with you before about, but this, how this is all kind of in his imagination or uh, an illusion or something like that, I don't know that they'll go that way again. But you're still thinking they, they kind well, of will. Well, look, they're going some way. But but the fact that the jackal's there, but not in the security f- camera footage. But they explained that, that in episode two, right? But then the 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 wife the wife just like shows up. I know she's on his phone and all that. I think it's more of an inception thing, mm. you know. And and I I think all of this, look, everything that we're seeing, there's stuff going on. But come on, I mean, even F. Murray Abraham showing up as Conchu, talking with, he's not like trying to even speak with some Egyptian voice. He's basically talking like some English bloke telling him what to do. <laughs> you know, and it's it's I think it's really funny and the fact that it's very incongruous to that. And now you know in the comics they did they did sort of move in that direction and they created I was talking about this earlier a cosmology. But like if these two if Ahmet and Kanshu are like real, does that mean all the is 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 set real, you know, is lady is bast real, like all the different other gods in the pantheon of egyptian lore are they all going to show up anubis is coming anubis is coming i mean you know is that going to happen because that's kind of what they've said well if these two gods are real wouldn't other gods be real and if they're real is zeus going to show up at some point is zeus and apollo and hades uh, yeah i mean it's 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 really interesting i mean i think that though it's doing a really good job of playing the real and the unreal off against each other. But at the end of the day, I mean, the I think that, uh, again, Oscar Isaac is a tour de force performance. He's the driving engine of this show. Oh, my God. Like, it, it, he's so good. But his interactions, all the actors they have in this show are doing great. And it's so much fun to watch, like, real. I, I wouldn't say Ethan Hawke's chewing the scenery, but just watching. He's like, he's taking on this kind of raspy voiced persona and i love it like i'm I, I love watching him on screen the way they shoot the way he moves and then finally of course like he has a staff imbued with the power of of Amit, and he's able to hit it on the ground and suddenly jackals are crawling up from well the underworld could be hades yeah. but i i mean i'm like that can't really be happening <laughs> or can it and by the way like they steven slash mark wakes up in egypt and now, so I, I'm looking at them. They say, "So right, wait, was the what was the name of the thing they were after?" The again? scarab. The scarab was the um, 
is the scarab the head headpiece to the staff of raw that that uh either arthur's gonna bring in is he gonna take the scarab put it on top of his cane that has a fraction of the power of ahmet in it and it's gonna point them to the tomb of ahmet if John Reese Davis oh. shows up here and he starts digging and stuff, I'm going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, no, and it's all it's all very intriguing. I mean, clearly there's something going on, but but even the the Stephen, we still don't know. We know that Mark Spector was was taken on as, if you believe Ethan Hawke, the new avatar of Conchu, the fist of Conchu, like in the comics, although they, although they call it the fist of vengeance in the show. But where did Stephen Grant come from? Well, I got my theory about that now. Okay. I've got my theory about that. Here's now my operating theory. We talked before that maybe Steven, after watching episode one, we said maybe Steven isn't the real one. That while he's been talked, while he's been leaving messages for his mom on the phone, we've never actually heard him talk to his mom. Right. Leaving messages. He says, this is my mom's flat. I see no evidence of his mom being there. Other than the French poet. Yeah. But that's his favorite poet too, right? Steven says it's his it? favorite poet. So here's here's my thought. After watching the ending of episode two, I'm now convinced Steven is the artificial one. I think what happened oh, was for sure that Steven or that um, Mark, when he made his deal with Conchu, a part of that deal was to conjure the new personality, the new persona of Steven so that he could live out an existence that is separate from Layla to protect her, that is separate from everything else, and that his doomed part of him to, to serve and be the avatar of Khonshu is totally separate. And because when Khonshu shows up, right, after Mr. Knight was there, Khonshu says to Mark, you said this guy could be controlled. So I'm thinking right now that that's what happened. Mark Spector's the real guy. He made the deal with Conchu. Part of that was creating the Steven persona. And the Steven persona was never supposed to know about Mark, was never supposed to know about all this, and could lead a totally separate existence. And that because it's he's completely separate, he would have no knowledge of Layla. He wouldn't drag Layla back into it. Blah. So that's my theory right now. What do you think about that? I think it's a good theory. I mean, in the comics, Mark Spector is the real guy. He's the beginning and the end of, of Moon Knight. There was even a, a, a volume of Moon Knight, Mark Spector Moon Knight, that ran like a, over 150 issues, I think. But I think you're right. You know, and, and in the original comic, in the original run, the Sienkiewicz Mench run, volume one, uh, Stephen Grant was a, was a construct of Mark Spector's. So was Jake Lockley. You know, and so was Moon Knight. But it was always Mark Spector who was the real guy. So I think you're absolutely right about that. How all this happened, we don't know. But it's going to be interesting to find out how they explain it all. And I, I, I mean, I'm loving it. I don't, you know, the Mr. Knight persona, I love the idea that you summon the suit, that this is something Khonshu has, like, given you. You're imbued with the power of Khonshu, so you can summon this suit. And, I, you know, I didn't know, because John. Because the suit is kind of the, is it, what, what Arthur's staff is to Amit, I think the suit is for Mark from conscious 100% absolutely but what's interesting is that back when I was reading Moon Knight I loved him as sort of a film noir 40s film noir version of Batman and and this is as Moon Knight is there really is no there's so many different iterations of this character that they're putting together a bunch of different things which I really really like but I especially like because the Moon Knight I loved was not somebody who could conjure a suit you know, it was made like Bruce Wayne made a suit 
And and I love that they're doing it this way because it's really cool. And I love I didn't think I'd love it as much, but I love the idea that he looks like a mummy. You know, oh, the, yeah. the, the, which is clearly on purpose. Uh, it's great. I love it. I'm like, that's the whole Egyptian iconography and ending with the, the great pyramids. I love that. I thought it was great. Although I really have to say, as a Moon Knight fan, I don't know where they're going. No. And that's. See, and I you, love that. You and I talked this morning about the fact that one of the, the coolest thing about Marvel is that they draw from the source material, but are not beholden to the source material. Right. And that means we get to see glimpses of the things we know and love, but we have no idea where they're actually going to go or what no. they're going to do. And no. and right now I have like somebody asked me, a buddy of mine texted me. He's like, so where do you, what do you think is going to happen in episode number three? I'm like, I have no effing idea. I have no clue. And I love that. I have no clue, no theory, no nothing. Me too. I, I, I And knowing Moon Knight, I'm like, what are they doing with this? And I just, it's so well made. It's. It's beautifully photographed. I love everything that's going on. And I love seeing Moon Knight in the suit kicking ass. And I even love seeing Mr. Knight, which is a, a relatively new, I think, the first iteration of that version of Moon Knight we saw in like 2014. So they're spanning the whole history of Moon Knight. And I'm, I'm loving it. But I don't know where it's going to go. So then before we move on and start hearing from everybody else and hearing other people's thoughts, observations, comments, and questions about the show, if, if I had to put your feet to the fire or glass... What would you say was your favorite moment of the episode? I know there are a number of really good ones, but if you had to pull one out and say, this was my favorite moment of episode two, what would you say? You know what? I have to say, because I'm a sucker for this, the first manifestation of the, well, the real Moon Knight suit. Right. When when Mark Spector is is put in control and he can finally conjure up that suit and sing him, because he does, he kicks a lot of ass. The transformation suit. looks really good, too. It looks, I love the way it's done, you know, with the wrapping and the, the, the hood coming up from the back and going over his head. I love that. I mean, you know. Gone are the days of superheroes trying to find a phone booth to, yes. <laughs> to get so changed good. their knickers. That's all gone. All right, guys, now we're going to spend the rest of our time here hearing from you guys and your thoughts, observations, comments, questions, and concerns, and maybe even a little bit of predictions about Moon Knight Episode 2. Let's jump on over right now and start hearing from you guys. We're going to start with Cam and Zay, who writes, uh, Hey, John, Moon Knight Episode 2 was wild, and thanks uh, to you getting me so much into the movie and show community. My buddy and I started a reaction channel, and Moon Knight Episode 2 is our very first Marvel reaction. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's cool. I always encourage everybody, get plugged in, make a podcast, write a blog, or do a YouTube channel to get you, it just gets you more connected with the object of our fandom, whether it's movies, TV, sneakers, bikes, technology, whatever it is you're excited about. And it also gives you an opportunity to contribute back to the community around it. And that's a big win for everybody. All right. Uh, next up, we got Steel Smith, who writes, um, my name's Steven with a V, Mr. Night Scenes. I love that line. I, and I can already knew, I, when I heard, I knew you would love that line, too. Dude, I loved it. Uh, conjuring up Muhammad Ali, you know, it was so great. What, and what did he say? Uh, 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 like a, uh, flow like a butterfly. Flow like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Yeah. <laughs> Steven with a V. Steven with a V. A little, uh, uh, little uh, weird. Because but... there, was, there was that song, and they're like, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali floats like a butterfly and stings like flow a like bee. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Here's I love the thing. That. If I had read that in the script, I would have thought, that line's not going to work. That line's not going to work. But then you see it play out, and it actually worked really, really well. All right. Next up, we got, uh, where are we at? Ismail Montoya, 
who writes, uh, the hallway scene is ridiculously bonkers. I will no longer walk into a storage unit hallways. <laughs> By the way, I have never walked down a hallway where the lights turn on and off as you walk. I, I've been into a hallway where the lights in the hallway turn on, but I've never done it where it only follows where I've never seen that before. And now I've seen it in like every TV show or movie. I watch. Yeah, it's like a new thing because they it, it, because in storage lockers and facilities, that's how they work them. That's a real thing. I didn't know that. Terrifying. Yeah, that is freaky as hell. That's absolutely freaky as hell. All right. Uh, Next up, we got Dante Sriracha who writes, Hey, John, absolutely loving Moon Knight, and I love how dense and philosophical the story is uh, getting between the hero and villain. Love watching live, and I'm probably halfway done with my new Lego DeLorean. Ooh. Knight, but does it fly? Well, probably not. (laughs) I've been getting very tempted to get myself either the biggest possible Lego Millennium Falcon or the biggest possible Lego Death Star. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Death Star. Star Destroyer. Destroyer. Star Destroyer. That's what I want a lot. But again, it's not just an action punch, bow, pow, bang thing. A lot of it has been philosophy. Right. And like, what did you take away from that conversation between like Stephen and Arthur as they sat there and debated the <clears throat> the, the merits of either the Amet approach to justice or the Conchu approach to well, justice? Well, you know, I, I think it's... It's really interesting because, you know, of course, Stephen's pointing out, like, how can you judge an innocent child? But innocent children grow up. I mean, every person who ever did evil in the world was once a child. So to think about stopping them, like, obviously, you don't want to harm a child. But if you knew that every child that ever did evil in the world was going to grow up and do evil, could you cull a whole generation of children? I mean... We couldn't, but Ahmet's like, look, I've lived, I'm, I'm an ancient Egyptian god. I've been here for thousands of years. Like, what do you, can't tell me about it. I've seen it all. So uh, it, it's interesting that there are acolytes there. But on the other hand, like Stephen says, you can't kill a child because there's always the potential that child could do good. Yeah. Would be better. But what if, what if they couldn't? What if fate was, it's not Terminator 2, fate is but we make. Um, what if it, it is written in stone? And what if Ahmet does have that knowledge? Shouldn't that per- if, if Ahmet, if she can act, wouldn't shouldn't she? But again, that brings up the question: What degree of naughtiness would then justify a death penalty? I know. And, and, but that again, it kind of flies in the face of what every superhero has ever been about. It's about deeds and actions and what you do. That is what we are judged by. Yes, and. The notion of if everything was completely elicited to fate and there was no free choice, then that becomes a nihilistic kind of world. Then there's no point in having superheroes. There's no right. point in there being anything. Everything is fated. And so you could make the argument. This would have been my argument if I was sitting there with Arthur and looking at handsome Hawk and his perfectly handsome face. And I would say, well, if it's fated that that person is going to commit evil. Then that's fate. It's their fate to do it. And it's the fate of the person who is going to suffer at the hands of their evil to suffer it. And now you are interfering with fate. And by the moment you interfere with fate, you throw everything off. Now, nothing is as it was going to be. Right. Right. You change everything. That's the thing about it's the butterfly effect that if everything is fated, as you're saying it is great. The moment you stop one event that is fated to happen, you change all fate for the rest of the world. Yeah, and now course. there is no fate. 
Right? Uh, so and I wanted to hear that discussion. It's really interesting. I, I think we're going to see more of that. All right, let's keep going on here. Next up, we got Ismail Montoya who writes, your thoughts on the Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac's dialogue as they eat. Well, we've kind of been discussing that. But again, we said before that Oscar Isaac is kind of the engine driving this thing. This thing doesn't work if there's not really good chemistry between Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac, and they're clearly making that work. Oh, yeah. And I love, as I, again, Benson and Moorhead, who I like, they directed Resolution and The Endless and Spring and Synchronic. I love when they cut to Ethan Hawke when they finally get in close on him. It's a great close-up when he kind of explains his master plan. And I I mean, I'm just looking at his face. I loved his performance. And it was chilling. You know, I'm like, this this is compelling genre entertainment. Because these kinds of debates, you can't just have in a regular... You put them in a comic book series, then people listen rather than tune out based on their own personal politics or whatever. But you have a villain and a hero conversing over a bowl of lentil soup. My God. Anyone will listen to that debate and consider it. Right. I, however, am going to join Ethan Hawke's cult. <laughs> All right, next up, Leo Liang writes, uh, me not screaming at my TV for Stephen to give control of the body to Mark when fighting the jackal. I didn't do that. I mean, yes, like, what are you waiting for? Uh, Just do yeah. it. But again, that goes to his strength of character. He is so committed that we don't want to, I don't want to hurt people, even if it's in my own self-defense. Right. That takes, listen, I know you don't think of Stephen this way, but that takes balls of fucking granite. To do that, you know what? I'm a no- I know I'm about to get fucked up, <laughs> but I am not going to allow somebody else to get hurt. T- tip of the hat to Steven, man. Tip of the hat to Steven. All right, next up, Orange Hand writes, what's the matter? Psycho Colonel Sanders chicken? Uh, I- <laughs> that was so f- I laughed out loud at that line. I thought that, that was, fed- was great. It was I had fantastic. no idea what he was going to I knew he was going to make a joke about the suit, and I-, I guess this is the first appearance of the suit. Yeah, in the show. I mean. And here's what's interesting. Kanchu didn't give him that suit. He manifested that suit. Right. Himself. So that raises a whole hell of a lot of other questions. It certainly does. (laughs) I mean, like... That's why I'm thinking that reality, the way it's being presented in this show, is not what it seems. Because why would Steven suddenly be able to summon a suit on his own that isn't exactly what Kanchu would equip him with? I think it's... in order. I I think what he's going to find out is that in order for Kanchu to bestow him that ability, he literally had to give him that power. And he deceives him into thinking, I'm your only way to access that power. Right. But it's not true. The power is in his body now. And that's why Steven was able to summon it, even though he's not the right persona. I mean, I could be a million miles off. No, but there's some, John, that's, I think that's a long, I I mean, I don't know how they're going to play it, but I know we haven't seen the total truth here. Yeah, I agree with that. I I don't think we've got the full picture yet. All right, uh, next up, we got Big D Studios who writes, got my Doctor Strange tickets, awesome, uh, in IMAX. My favorite part in episode two of Moon Knight is when he catches his own Moonblade in the moonlight after he kills the Jackal oh. and when Mr. Knight barely sticks uh, barely sticks last-minute soup landing. I mean, yeah, that was... Okay, Dude. I got to say, that was hilarious. When he, when he does the superhero landing and then... Oh, and then he falls over. I cracked, but I knew you liked that thing with the blade. When he impaled the jackal on oh, that fire, oh, I love that. You know, he jumps down, and then you see it it, it 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 turned to dust, which is awesome. And then his crescent darts fall, and he catches them. I loved that. I loved it. I mean, it was it was, and that of course that angle 
you know, and he reaches up and the oh, moon's yes. there and it comes from the, you can see the, the dust dissipating in the air as he catches his crest starts. It was awesome. That was a magnificent I lo- I, moment. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for writing that in, Big D. All right, Ryder writes, little confused. Is Mark a different person entirely and Conchu just picked innocent Steven's body? Uh, thought it was more mental identity disorder than supernatural takeover. Sorry if it seems dumb to ask. It doesn't seem dumb to ask at dumb. all. The, the whole point of this show is to create this mystery and this question. And we don't know the answers yet. No, like my theory right now is that Mark is the real person. Yeah, I believe that too. He created the Steven persona to protect Layla, to give himself a chance at a different life and to be isolated into that one thing. And and I, that's my guess right now, that we are ultimately going to find out Steven is the newly created doppelganger, if you will, personality. So I don't, how would you respond to Ryder here? Well, I mean... Yeah, I I think that, you know, let's say these entities, if they're going f- by the Marvel universe, the comic universe, these entities do exist. They're part of this pantheon of, of old gods, and they use mortals to fight their battles for them. And I can see, like, if you go back to the original Moon Knight, like ep- issue one of Moon Knight, where you, you, you see uh, Mark Spector as a mercenary and Left 4 Dead for Bushman and Conchu's tomb and all that, I could see that was actually kind of what happened. You know, and in the comics, when Mark uh, is revived, he sees Conchu is like the first image he sees. So he, he develops his own mythology around that in his own head. But as the comics went all along, they added that to the actual lore. So I wouldn't be surprised if this whole story is Mark somehow putting his fractured psyche together, mm, you know, in yeah. some way, shape or form. That's not to say that there isn't an Ethan Hawke and this plot isn't real like it's some other kind of plot but you know i i they're playing with that whole what's real and what's not so the idea in so many movies we've seen things where people believe that something is real and it turns out it's not even like the sixth sense you know we yeah. you, you, and then you find out when bruce willis i see dead people you're like come on and that revelation i remember the first time i saw that i was like oh my god total had the the, the wool was completely pulled over my eyes all right Next up, we got Sam Fisher who writes in, after episode two, I really believe there's a third personality. I doubt Mark asked out the girl because he's married and we know Steven didn't. So who did? You know what? I would have disagreed, but he brings up a good point. I I mean, I just assume Mark is the one who asked out the girl. But uh, Mark seems pretty dedicated to Layla, even though he's trying to divorce her and everything. Right. And we are one third of the way through the show. There's still two thirds to go. I'm going to say it's a 50-50 coin toss that we're going to meet a third personality. What do you think? Well, there were three in the... Well, actually, there was four. In the comics. Yeah, in the comics. There was Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley. There was Moon Knight, and there was Mark Spector. So right now we've seen three. We've seen Mark, we've seen Stephen, and we've seen Moon Knight. So where's Jake or the equivalent? So you might be right about that. Unreliable narrator, after all. Yeah, for sure. Next up, Phil... Corvelli writes, Hey, John and crew. So I'm really liking the show thus far. The acting from both Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaacs is really good. And Conchu seems like someone you don't want to piss off. <laughs> but by the way, oh, man, one of the things I loved about Arthur in this thing is like when he's talking to Steve, it's like, oh, it's Conchu. Is Conchu there now? <laughs> right. Yeah. Is he telling you this? Yeah. And then the, the wind blows. He goes, don't worry. That's all he can do. 
And it's like he's so dismissive of Khonshu. It's like, I seen you at your worst, dude. I was your avatar. Yeah, but isn't that all too convenient? You know, like this villain just knows everything. And I, I just see all of this as being a bunch of BS. But it's but narratively, it makes sense that he would know that. Oh, right? no, it does. But the, but he's too quick. He doesn't just know what Khonshu might say or something along the lines, but he knows exactly the words Khonshu just used. Because he's probably heard the speech before. He, he's heard the speech before or it's not real. It's or all it's not real. Said. We'll find out. I don't know. All right. Sam Fisher writes. I have to say Arthur Harrow's pitch is enticing. I love that you can still hear the glass in his shoes uh, when he <laughs> kicks the soccer ball. I noticed that. It's like these little details oh, like yeah. that, like still hearing the glass in there. It's like, oh, it still <laughs> gives me shivers when I think about it. Uh, Sam Fisher also writes, was Mark wearing a Star of David in the last scene? If so, this makes me very happy as a Jew. Well, I, Mark is the son of a rabbi. Oh, I didn't yes, realize that. Mark Spector is the son of a rabbi. So that's part of the comic lore. They haven't obviously got into that yet, but but he is. That's so interesting that, I mean, when you when you know the history of Egypt yes. and the Jews, let my people go. That there would be some kind of what's the word I'm looking? Symbology. Yeah. Some kind of merger of the symbology. Okay, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's All a right. good one. Next up, uh, Sam Fisher also writes, I really hope we see more of Mr. Knight, and it wasn't just used as a gag in this episode. I don't believe for a second that's the last we're seeing of Mr. Oh, Knight. Oh, no, I don't either. Oh, yeah. We're abs- I think it's 100% Sam Fisher. We're definitely going to get Because, you know, one of the posters as well was specifically, they put us one of the posters of the trinity of them. Yeah. The, you had uh, the body, Mark slash Stephen. You had Moon Knight on one side. And you had Mr. Knight on the other. Yeah, I don't think that was just for one 10 no, minute scene. No, like, and, and and Steven, that, this is Steven's iteration of Moon Knight, and Mark has his. So he'll definitely come back. All right, next up. Two Hot Toys. Uh, Sam Fisher also writes, Conchu is stealing this show for me. How is F. Murray Abram doing it with only his voice? God, he is so talented. Well, it's not just him. The dialogue itself drives a lot of it, but also the way... The, the imagery of Khonshu and the way Khonshu moves and right. just annoyingly pops up behind. Like, it's it's a, then with F. Murray Abrams' voice all combined into that one great package. I love in the close-ups, you can see the head is, like, floating. Yeah, there's no neck. Yeah, it's like, it, there's, like, weird little tendrils that are coming down, but there's no neck. I love that. It's so great. All right, next up. We've got Exploding Soda 99 who writes, What were your thoughts on the freeze frame when Steve saw Conchu? I had to rewind two times because I thought my stream buffered. I'm not exactly I, yeah, I don't sure know. what he's referring to. I, I, maybe they did something. I, I, you know. Because Steven saw Conchu several times in yeah. this episode. Yep. Yeah, sorry about that exploding soda. I'm, not, I'm just not exactly 100% sure what you're referring to there. Sorry about that. Uh, Tyler Pfeiffer writes, is Hawk's character no longer Conchu's avatar because he got snapped? I don't think so. I mean, it's well, that would really be it. That would be interesting. If you're an Egyptian god that's come back from thousands of years and you're possessing a human being and he's your avatar and that person got snapped, <laughs> even though you're an Egyptian god, like, wait, what? What happened to you? Like, no, how does that work? It sounded to me with the conviction in his voice, he had a change of philosophies. Right. He had a fundamental change of philosophy. Yeah, I, wasn't I, wore, I, wore, I was Conchu's avatar before you, dude. Yeah, because if that was the case, then when he was snapped, 
the moment the unsnapping happens, he's going to be right back to the exact same state he yeah. was. So that would be a pretty fast turnaround. So I got a feeling it probably took place over the course of years and years and I years. I think so, too. If that's at all true. If it's at all true. <laughs> all right. Uh, James Argento writes, I think the person Mark killed or framed for was named Stephen Grant and his guilt from killing someone innocent led him to form the Stephen identity. Here's the problem. If we believe what the fake cops told him is true. The fake cops. And, and they were the they fake, may cops. Not be fake cops. They may not be fake cops. They may well, actually I think be cops. fake cops. No, I said fake Because cop. I like the fact that they're the fake the cops. cops. They come and get him to bring him to his if fate. If the fake cops, and they may not have been fake, they may have actually been real police officers. But if what the cops told him was true, that they found a bunch of people zip-tied and shot in the back of the head, I don't believe Moon Knight did that. But if, if he did, it's not one person that he killed. He's killed a whole bunch of people. Yeah. But he's a, a feeling, he's a mercenary. I have a feeling that this the Steven persona came into existence the moment he made the deal with Conchu. Again, I have nothing to back that up with. That's just me speculating out of my I ass. think you might be right. We'll find out. All right. Uh, thanks for that, James. Next up, Brian Lawner, who writes, I'm guessing Layla got dusted and Mark got taken over by Conchu during the five years, and then she couldn't find him coming back until now. I don't think that's the case because to her, years hadn't passed. Right. Right. She right. Goes, I like I've been like for years I've been blown. I was like, that's a big deal. So but it wouldn't have been it would just been that exact moment to her. So I don't think she got dusted. What are your thoughts on that? I, I don't think so either. I mean, it's hard to say. I think one of the things I really appreciate from this show is they're letting it grow and breathe on its own. Yeah. Like they're not going uh, they're not going out of the way to connect it to previous MCU stuff yet, which I really appreciate. I, I don't know what time frame this takes place in. I don't know. You know, I, what I like is that this situation, which could be an Avengers level threat. Yeah. is just being dealt with by these two guys. Well, I'm going to start a cult. Well, I'm going to fight you. You know, it's, it's, let's... listen, I really do think there is significance in the fact that the reviewers who saw the first four episodes early we're only shown four episodes. I yeah. I have a feeling this show could get bat crap crazy in the final two episodes. I agree. I mean, for all we know, Shang Chi's going to show up. I, I I mean, listen, nothing's off the board right no, now. No, I, I I wouldn't be surprised because yeah. in one in the Brian Bendis iteration of Moon Knight, Moon Knight thought he was Captain America, and thought he was Wolverine, like he literally thought he was other Marvel characters, and that's. That was a big run in, in, in Moon Knight history. So maybe they talk about Mark Ruffalo coming in as the Hulk, maybe rumored or he something. He seems to be popping up in a lot of different things. But I could believe if they leaned into that, that his mental illness led him to believe that he was other superheroes. Maybe. And that's right out of the comic. All right. Next up. Uh, Fangblaze 71 writes, Hey, Captain Campia, absolutely love this episode just as much as the first. I even liked it more, man. This is definitely going to be my favorite MCU show. I'm not ready to say that. It's yeah. two episodes. Yeah. We've all seen shows that started strong and ended weak. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I ain't saying that Moon Knight isn't going to finish strong, but we don't know. I mean, yay. They, maybe they only show people the first four episodes because maybe it goes to crap in episode five and six. Or it goes to awesome. Oh, yeah, which is what I'm hoping for, obviously. <laughs> But, I, I mean, I need to see more than two episodes. Yeah, I do, too. Before I'm ready to bestow, you know, the title of best MCU show ever. Because right now, WandaVision, to me, has that title by a mile. And it's going to be hard to 
to to knock that thing off the throne and just the creativity displayed the whole yeah. sitcom thing that was really bonkers whereas moon knight you know has its comics to fall back on it, it's kind of hard to go wrong with warring egyptian deities you know what's not to love what's not to love all right next up we've got uh fang blaze again writes in the scene where Moon Knight is running from the Jackal, you can see Mr. Knight running in the reflection. The attention to detail is so good. I did not notice that. Oh, yeah, that. you can. Oh, you noticed that oh, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they've done a great job. I mean, there's so many little details with the mirrors where people's faces don't move. You know, someone will walk by. It's really well done. And, and they've done a lot of that. And this episode had a lot of more subtle subtlety at the time. And it's... I mean, it's and I, I, I chalk that up. Maybe it's all scripted, but Benson and Moorhead, if you guys haven't seen, as I said, their movies like Spring or uh, Resolution or or The Endless or even Synchronic with with Captain America, Anthony Mackie, not a great movie, but the first 45 minutes are great. They're really good directors. All right. Next up, Big D Studios writes, do you think there will be a post credit scene for episodes four through six or five and six? If so, any predictions, John or Rob? Well, I mean, look, let's let's be clear here. You cannot predict what the post credit scene would be for episode five. Right. When we haven't seen episode three <laughs> right. or four or five. <laughs> like, does, it, does it? Let me ask you this, John. Does it bother you like? That there are that there aren't post credit scenes in every episode because I scan no. through the credits and I'm like maybe this time I do too no like I do too like I when the thing ends I grab the remote I start fast forwarding through the credits because you can see the image as it's fast forwarding yeah. on, on my TV at any rate and I keep look because those credits are like seven minutes long so long but and I and I look for it and yeah when I get to the end there I. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of disappointment that there's not. But I don't, ex especially for episode one or two, I don't expect them for one or two. Right. I would expect them by episode five. Hope they show up in episode four. Yeah. But it's always nice to get that little treat. But uh, but yeah, no, it, it's it's it would be ridiculous of us to not see huh. episode five. But guess what? The post credit scene in episode five is. Well, yeah, we have no. no clue yet. No. But we'll find out. Hopefully, hopefully five and six. If we're lucky, episode four, five, and six. All right, Tim Platt writes, I'm becoming uh, more and more of a Moon Knight fan with each episode. This episode was great. Perfect blend of horror and levity. Hashtag nice punch. That was a great moment, too, <laughs> when Mark says, Stephen, nice punch. That was good. It's like, all right. But that's the thing. One of the great things about Marvel properties in general, Rob, is I find that they always know how to balance things out. When and things start getting heavy... They throw in moments of laughter to give the audience that lightheartedness. When things start getting too light and too easy, something horrible happens. Like yeah. They always find a way to find that balance. And they don't, you know, a lot of people, I've read a lot of online criticism of the fact that the MCU has a lot of humor in it, but that's life. You know, people have some of the darkest senses of humor are soldiers on the front line in a conflict. They use that kind of dark, sardonic humor to get through the day. And... <laughs> And I loved, I loved that. I mean, I loved nice punch. It's funny because even in, even in the most perilous of situations, we human beings will be like, she looks good. I like that dress she's in as the Titanic is sinking. Right. You're never not going to go, hey, you look great, even though we're all about to die. <laughs> You're going to still think that. You might not ever reiterate it. I'm sure, you know, Mark's like, that was really good. All right. Uh, next up, we go to Sam, F oh, no, no, uh, Fifi, who writes, do you think we'll see Werewolf by Night cameo this season? 
Here's the thing. We know that uh, they're making Michael Giacchino or Giacchino is directing a werewolf by night Halloween special for the MCU. So, I, you know, in the original trailers, I was wondering, is, is are these jackal characters werewolf by night? But they're not. Um, but I think there's a distinct possibility we might and it would carry over into this Christmas special. I would love that only because it pays uh, it pays homage to the the character of Moon Knight obviously introduced in the pages of Werewolf by Night in 1975. Plus it's kind of a cool character. Although it's, I would be remiss John if I didn't point out as Chris Carr always do, does can't a werewolf only exist by night? Yeah, what's the point calling werewolf by night? <laughs> of course he is. Um by the way, uh, Lewis Selders in the live chat uh, is saying something that I have been kind of been saying too, except not Liam Neeson. He says, <laughs> I totally thought Conchu's voice was Liam Neeson at first. See, I didn't think Liam Neeson at first. I, and I still, I know it's not him, but even when I listen, I still kind of think it does. I thought J.K. Simmons. Oh, like when I hear Conchu speaking, I think J.K. Simmons. But now that you mentioned Liam Neeson, I can kind of hear that too. All right. Uh, next up, Sam Fisher writes. I'm a big mythology buff, and I love Khonshu in the myths. I encourage anyone or everyone to look at some of his stories because he's a big part uh, of the myth of ancient Egyptians used to explain why the Earth has 365 days and not 360 because they knew there were 360 degrees in a circle and why moon is rarely full. I did not know. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I know know a lot of religious and whatever, iconography and stuff like that because of my background. I know nothing about Egyptian stuff, though. Like, none. So they could be making up all the shit in the world in this show, Rob, and I would never know. I would never know. But I think if they use things derived out of real mythology, you know, the the heavy lifting has been done, and it's already already endured for 2,000 or or 5,000 years. So why not not avail yourself of that and use it? All right. Next up, we've got Marie Seifring, who sent in like a $20 super chat. Thank you, Marie, for supporting us on that level. And Marie writes... For all his preaching about only killing people after judging them, Arthur Harrow just straight up kills the homeless man who found the scarab uh, Stephen dropped while fighting the jackal. So I call BS on Harrow's mission. I would suggest this, Marie. He didn't just straight up kill him. They didn't bother to go through the whole, like show us as the audience, the whole motion of taking his hand, which he did. He grabbed his hand. We didn't have to go through the whole motion again of then having a camera close up on the scales on his arm, right. seeing the scales. Although I, I, I never tire of that. I think that's such no. a cool conceit. I love it, too. It's really neat. But I but I believe the implication here yes. was that he did that with the man. And hence, he said the same thing. It ended with the sa- saying the same thing to the man that he said to the old woman in episode one. I wish you could be here to see the world we're going to build. Right. right? So right. I, I don't think he just... Oh, thank you for giving me this. I'm going to kill you now for no reason. I, I think he probably did go through the process. The filmmakers just gave us the credit that we would understand. Sure. That. So, I mean, you might be right, Marie, and maybe they'll give some kind of indication of that in the next episode. But honestly, my just starting assumption was he did the thing with him. He got judged, found wanting. Ahmet killed him. The power of Ahmet killed him. All right. Next up, we got Alex Holt, who writes... I love how Steven is maybe Mark's inner innocence amplified to the max. That's a really neat I like, observation. I like that idea. Uh, Mark doesn't want a divorce, so it shows in Steven. I mean, Rob, that's actually a really cool theory because what if he didn't just create another random personality, but rather the manifestation 
of everything in him that's good and innocent. I think that's a great idea. I think it works really, really well. Um, But again, we're going to have to see. You know, John, I would have thought that I would have had more of a roadmap about what they're doing. Right. Just having read the comics. I really don't know. And I find that exciting. Like, you know, I have just do not know where this is going to go or how all the pieces fit together. But I, I think it might be. Well, I'm not, I'll just flat out say it. it's my favorite Marvel streaming series so far, even more than Daredevil. You really? Know, uh, yeah. Only because only and I know it's only two episodes. Daredevil has three. Wait, hey, I, wait, I said the same thing about. Remember, I said basically the same thing about Peacemaker. Two two episodes in, I said, listen, I'm only saying this based on two episodes compared to the first two episodes of everything else I've seen. But right now, to me, this is the best DC show ever. Right. And I said, granted, that could change. It didn't. Peacemaker is, I think, the greatest season of DC TV show ever. But you're saying after two episodes that... Two episodes to two episodes to two episodes. You're this is your favorite Marvel streaming. Game. Yes, but the potential for it to fail for me is higher. Too. Yes, yes, you yes. Know? I mean, it's uh, the uh, it, they've earned they've earned my admiration. But hey, if they if they pull the wool out from under me or the rug out from under me, I'm perfectly willing to say they screwed the pooch, and I didn't like it. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Stephen Wolf, who writes. Uh, one of two. Hey, JC, the ability of Oscar Isaac to portray a person with mental illness is quite amazing. It is. And for the director to be able to capture just the anxiety and loneliness of the person with this condition. And he didn't get part two in. I'm, I'm sorry about that, Stephen, but Stephen still makes the point, even in part one. Absolutely. Of his question. Like, it's that if it's one thing for an actor, we, lots of any actor can play somebody with like multiple personalities, right? But to capture what that would bring, because I I love what Stephen is saying here, the anxiety, the inherent loneliness, while trying to convince himself maybe he's not lonely. It's right. It's those suggested subtle things that Oscar Isaac does that makes this character not just so believable, but so likable at the same time. Yes. I don't know what's your thought on that. No, his vulnerability. I mean, you feel for the guy. You you want it from the very beginning. He clearly is a nice man. And and people treat him badly and he he and now he's in a situation where he's like I, I don't even know what's going on. I just I want to get through the day and have my steak. That's what I want. <laughs> That's all I want. I had one steak and now I'm seeing things. All right. Next up, we've got uh are we at Fifi? Yes, we're at Fifi who writes it would be super interesting if during the blip, like one of many of Moon Knight personalities got dusted by the snap, but his physical body didn't. Like, what if Steven or Mark was the only one left? Interesting, but it couldn't happen. Because the whole principle of what Thanos was doing with this snap was about there's simply not enough resources in the universe. Right. Snapping away personality does not limit at all the amount of resources needed for the same physical body. Mark's got to eat. Mark's got to eat. That, that, brain, eat. that brain is still there. Yeah. That brain where all those personalities live. So that's a really interesting concept, Fifi, <laughs> but unfortunately not one that's consistent with, with what Thanos did and right. all that kind of stuff. So there's that. But interesting theory. If, that, if, if they find out at some point that maybe... What if there is a third personality in there and he gets unsnapped, and all of a sudden he's back. That would yeah, be fun. I, yeah, and, and we're going to see. I mean, we're going to see. I think we're going to see that. All right. Next up, we've got Ryan Holman, who writes, 
I think that these last two episodes are setting up how Steven will have the big hero moment slash save the world moment at the end of this show, not Mark or Khonshu slash Moon Knight. With how Khonshu views Steven, it'll be a great payoff. You know, that's not a bad idea, but I think a part of this, I, I think in the upcoming episodes, we're going to find out Steven is not the main character. Steven and Mark are the main character. And I think a lot of this is going to be about them coming to peace with that together and appreciate. I mean, we started to see the beginnings of that appreciation when Mark says to Stephen, nice punch. Right. Right. I think that's the yeah. first the first little step to them thing. And because the show is called Moon Knight. Right. And so I got to believe it's going to be Moon Knight at the end. That does, but I know, Rob, what do you think of the possibility no, that I, it's I, Stephen that does it? Well, I think it as it, Mr. Knight. I th- I don't know about that. I think that the Mr. Knight, I think it, if anything, Steven will learn how to wield the actual Moon Knight avatar and that Mr. Knight goes away, maybe. But on the other hand, I mean, I really want to see... The, the funny thing is, is I they've kind of painted themselves into a corner, John. They have to... Like, the Steven character is how we're seeing the show. How it, We're seeing the, the show, the audience is, is, is seeing it through Steven's eyes. So if you get rid of him... Then you bring a secondary character, which is, let's face it, Mark Spector, to the fore. It's going to seem a little weird. And you're going to think, well, poor Stephen Grant. What happened to him, that poor guy? Where'd his personality go? Hmm. You know? But it's he's the guy that we're following. We're the ones that love Stephen. They can't betray us, can they, John? Oh, oh, yeah. It's not like the studio's ever not betrayed us before. All right. <laughs> Next up. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? We're at Aiden Foley. Who writes? You know, Conchu is kind of an ass. Oh, he absolutely is. Uh, just kidding. I'm loving this show so far. Very curious to see more of Mark's backstory. He seems very troubled. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he, he's very I, troubled. I think we're going to see. I am. I think this next episode is going to be all about Mark's backstory. I think that's what we saw at the end of this episode. Opening the window in Egypt. I think it's like, oh, Mark, here's here, now like the fourth episode of WandaVision where we got out of the town and right. in the sword base. I think that's what's going to happen in this episode of Moon Knight. We're going to get a flashback. It's going to reveal a lot of these questions and what, what it all means. Uh, and by the way, Aiden, uh, you, you don't have you're not kidding. Khonshu is an ass. He's a dick. He might be on the good guy's side. And have the like he the Stanford he can still be a dick yeah and so uh, we'll find out he's the guy gardener of uh, of all this all right uh, Tim Platt writes uh, got some real Garden of Eden vibes in that conversation between Stephen and Handsome Hawk well be that's the thing right like kind of like Thanos Arthur's I he wants to create a utopia like even to the people he murders he says I wish you could see the world we're gonna make. I don't like mean to murder you. Of, yeah, like Thanos, like, like what's good you do when you snap out the way you do it? I'll sit down and bask in the gratefulness of a grateful universe or whatever, right? Like right. this high idea that they're going to create an Eden for everybody, which again is what makes him even more scary. Uh, it, very much so. All right, uh, next up, we got Sam Fisher who writes, I love that moment at the end where Mark is in the hotel room. He pulls open the curtains and we see the pyramids and hear the Arab choral music. It was Awesome. Again, Loved it totally it. gave me Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of feel to it, but it was an amazing moment. I can't see where they go with I can't wait to see where they go with this. Me, I, I mean, it was such a cool and for me, I'm like, okay, here's the beginning of or, or, or the, the beginning of the flashback. Because in the state that Mark Spector or Stephen Grant's in, who's buying them plane tickets? 
You're like, <laughs> where, where are they going? Do they take the deaf on the Nile boat, Karnak, or whatever, go all the way to the Great Pyramids? I mean, come on. All right. And uh, wrapping things up here, Max Gomez just sends in a Super Chat badge to be supportive. And the one that's above that was one that came in earlier today for the John Cam Show. And guys, that'll do it. For this installment of our after show of Moon Knight Episode 2, talking about all in a big open spoiler format, what a two-episode start we are off to with this show. The, I mean, listen, I Fingers needed crossed, this. Fingers crossed, John. Fingers, Fingers crossed. Because I needed this. Because I have not loved an MCU Disney Plus show since WandaVision. I, yeah. I mean, I, I liked Loki, and I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I'm not a big fan of the Hawkeye series. I haven't loved any of those. And even like freaking Book of Boba Fett, I didn't love that either. So nope. it feels so good. And I know we're only two episodes in, but to be two episodes in and to be loving an oh, MCU Disney Plus show again. A hundred percent. And for me, John, every time I see the costume, whether it's Mr. Knight or the classic, well, the quote unquote classic costume, I feel like I'm a kid again. I'm like, I, I watch this and I'm like, how did they make this? How How, how is this real? And those are the times we, I felt the same way when I was watching uh, Avengers in 2012. By the way, Mega uh, Dudeman is writing in there. It's like, why, why is this only one hour? Well, <laughs> it, it's one hour. We could have gone longer. We could have gone longer. But I have a screening of uh, Fantastic Beasts that I have to get to that starts in one hour in Irvine, California that I got to go and I got to get to. So that's why we keep this one a little bit tight. Next week will probably be a little bit longer. But that will do it. For this installment of our Moon Knight After Show, Episode 2, Open Spoiler Discussion. Thank all of us involved here with the show. Thank you guys so much for that support. I want to thank Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people follow you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BurnettRM. Find me on Instagram at RMBurnett or on my YouTube page, The Post Geek Singularity. And you guys can, of course, follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, simply at John Campia. All right, guys, that'll do it for us for now. Thanks a lot for being here. Don't forget to come back and join us for the John Campia Show tomorrow. Have a whole lineup of stuff we're going to be talking about. Me, Rob, Ray, Chris, make sure you're here for that, too. That'll do it for now. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, that's Stephen with a V.